are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family. Your team every day. This is Patricia Trena. I cover the New York Giants for a variety of places. You can follow all my work by following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. And this will be, of course, our last show of the week uh, before we go to the Combine next week. And uh, I'll tell you more about that schedule a little later on in the program. And joining me for this last show of the week is none other than Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. Does a fantastic job. I know he's 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 been in his lab cooking up the film, looking at film, grinding tape. Uh, probably can't see straight anymore, but he has been kind enough to take a break and come on the program with us. Emery, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Pat. You're absolutely right in your assessment right there. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, it's the price to pay, right? Yep. I got it. You got to love it. Absolutely. Well, Emery, before we jump in and start talking about the combine, which which gets uh, kicks off, I think, next Wednesday in Indianapolis, um, a little bit of news that to kind of come out uh, regarding the Giants on Wednesday that I, I think we need to just touch upon. And and uh, it, it was a case of, I guess, what you would call locker gate, if you want to attach a gate to something. And, of course, the news being uh, Josina Anderson of ESPN reporting that Landon Collins cleaned out his locker, um, apparently was not optimistic about getting a deal done, said goodbye to his teammates and trainers and people in the building and kind of, you know, left the building. And then, you know, later on, several reporters, myself included, um, had caught word that the report was maybe not accurate, that Collins, you know, came in picked up a few things, you know, I, I came in probably as part of a medical check, picked up a few things that he had left behind, you know, anticipating that, you know, he's going to not be around the facility for at least another month and who knows when, and just went his merry way. I mean, Emery, what do you make of all this talk about Landon Collins and where things are with his contract and whatnot? Well, you, you hope they find a, a way to bring him back because he is a really good player. And we talked about this before, you know, this is a guy that, he, he means so much to the defense, but you, you want to know at what price because he still has to prove to stay healthy or, and be out there for a full 16-game season because there's always something, whether it's a nagging injury that may knock him out for um, not you know for a series or two or maybe a game. You know, you want him to be healthy, and you want to find a way to where you can pay him what he's worth because he's a tremendous player, but you also want to protect yourself because he's a guy that – you know, has those injury concerns, those nagging injury concerns. And he's not like a, a, a player that, you know, is going to miss a season. Uh, but you want to make sure he's healthy at his best and you want him playing his best football and you want him to be happy and financially secure to where he can go out there and, and play the Landon Collins type of a football uh, style that we've grown to love back at Alabama to what we've seen from him so far in his early career with the Giants. So I hope they figure out a way to make it work and, and keep him in New York because I think he is definitely one of those players you want on your football team. Right. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, they will come to some sort of deal. But the way I see it is, is a couple things. First of all, players come in during the, the offseason to get, you know, to, to see the trainers, to see the doctors, especially players 
who had off season or not off season who had surgery as was the case with Landon Collins. So, you know, if he was in the building today or yesterday or whenever it was, it was probably, like I said, to go see the trainers and, you know, give them an update on where he stands with his rehab. Because obviously if you're the Giants, you're not going to go and blindly give him a contract without knowing where he is medically. Uh, The other thing that's interesting is I'm looking at over the cap right now and the projected franchise and tran- transition tag tenders for safety 12 that 12 million uh 37,000 for franchise and 10 million to uh 268,000 uh, for a transition tag so right now the giants don't have a lot of cap space and what i'm wondering is will the giant you know do you think the giants will Will franchise tag him and, you know, if they don't get a deal done um, before March 5th, which is the deadline for the transition and franchise tags and tie up that $12.037 million? Or do you say to yourself, if you're the Giants, I'm going to go transition tag because I tried to trade this guy last year for a two. Nobody gave me a two. So in essence, I would probably be competing against myself if I tag him with the franchise tag. Yeah, I think the best avenues to go ahead on and franchise them um that way you give him a little bit of a lump sum but also give your yourself a chance to work out a long-term deal hopefully he he can sign it because you know that's going to be another big contention guys want that security for a long term uh despite the fact that they're getting a lump sum right here in, in one year uh, so i would probably go with the franchise tag in that situation but you don't see that as the Giants competing against themselves because, like I said, he didn't really get, you know, they didn't get the offers I guess they were looking for. So now, given that they're cap-strapped, I mean, they can still hold on to him with the transition tag. The danger is is if some team has, you know, gives them a deal that's like, you know, astronomical, then they, they have the right, obviously, to either match it or decline to match it. So, I mean, I know there's a little bit of a of a gamble involved there, but if somebody comes in and overpays him, you know, then they can, you know, if they anticipate that's going to happen, they can remove that transition tag and make him eligible to where they he brings in a high uh, compensatory pick the following year. Well, it all depends on how you feel as though other teams view him. And with the cap, number going up every year is it really overpaying um so i i think it's i would i am always on the side of the players and always on the side of team keep your best players and i feel as though the giants can't get into a situation where they don't they where they try to play games with the system and end up losing a guy that can really help out their defense because that would just create another huge hole on that side of the ball where they are many holes uh, going into this offseason and what do you make of the theory that if, you know, the Giants somehow get themselves a really good free safety, that that's going to make a difference in Landon's game? I think so, because I think he's a guy you want constantly on the move. You don't want him relegated to a certain area, or certain responsibilities. You want him to have that freedom to be able to play close to the line of scrimmage, sometimes play back, maybe play man up on a tight end or a back. You want to have that creativity. And the best way to do that is have a guy that's, a, a, a great talent as far as eliminating mistakes or erasing mistakes. And that's what a great free safety does. Now, granted, great free safeties don't grow on trees, but you want someone that you can trust back there on the back end to eliminate those mistakes. So therefore you can be a little bit more aggressive in, in your front seven. So finding a guy that can get from sideline to sideline, uh, hash to hash with great speed and acceleration and, and closing speed 
Uh, you kind of want him to have ball skills, but if he doesn't, at least he has that ability to re- where he can get over there quickly and get on his horse to, to get up on top of a deep ball or maybe make up a, um, a clean up a mistake that was made in coverage. If you can find that guy, I think it makes Landon Collins what we saw back in 2016 uh, when he was really a difference maker for that defense. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit more? You know, having a, a free safety that can go sideline to sideline, play that deep ball and take proper angles. What does, in, in, in this scheme in particular, because obviously in 2016 they were running a different scheme under Steve Spagnuolo, what, can, what do you think a, a, a good free safety in this scheme, James Betcher's scheme, can do for Landon Collins? Same things. I think football is, it, I mean, we get caught up in the, semantics of scheme and and uh, you know what guys responsibilities are 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 in certain defenses but at the end of the day it's about making plays can you score can you take the ball away so let's use this example let's use seattle uh in their heyday with earl thomas back there it allowed cam chancellor to be moved all around that defense and be an enforcer and he was able to play that aggressively because of the fact that he had a guy in on the back end and earl thomas that could make up for a mistake that was made because of an over-aggressiveness uh, within the front seven. So that's what it would look like. You also can go back to a situation where, okay, let's say when you have uh, the Saints, and I know people don't don't like this name, but I'm going to use him for this example. When they went to the Super Bowl in 2009, um, one of their big, they, they were a really good rushing team, but defensively they turned the ball over. Big reason why they were playing aggressive in the front seven, but they had a free safety that could erase mistakes and also turn the ball over, and that was Darren Sharper. So if you have a guy back there that can be like that, and granted, Darren Sharper and Earl Thomas are two completely different players, but they both played free safety. Both had the same element of their game. They, were ex- they had great acceleration. They were enforcers themselves. They were able to lay the, the lumber on, on receivers. Uh, they were able to fly down and run support in the alley if need be, but also had the ability to take the ball away. Now, Darren Sharper is about 225 pounds, 220 pounds. Earl Thomas is about 195 pounds. So you don't have to have a certain height, weight, speed, or height, weight, I'm sorry, um, but you have to have that that great acceleration. You have to have good instincts. So those are the traits that you look for to pair with a guy like Landon Collins, who can be the Cam Chancellor in this defense, who can be um, what they had out in Arizona with the uh, – the guy from Washington State that they tried to make a nickel linebacker. His name slips me. Buchanan, Dion Buchanan. Buchanan. Yep. So he can be that guy, but I think he's a better overall, let's say, athlete than Dion Buchanan and can do a little bit more. So that's why I would be more inclined to keep him and pay him uh, what he's worth. But if they can get a guy that has great instincts, also has the ability to get from sideline to sideline, numbers to numbers, that's the guy you want on the back end. Now, finding that guy, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah, for sure. And just and finally, Emery, in terms of what Landon is worth, I'm looking at, again, the, the contracts, the average per year for safeties. You know, guys like Eric Berry, he's top paid at $13 million. Then Cam Chancellor is listed as $12 million, as is Rashad Jones. LaMarcus Joyner, $11.2 million. And Harrison Smith, around $10.25 million. And Earl Thomas, around $10 million. Where do you think Collins would would is going to fall eventually once his contract does get done. I think he's going to fall. I want to say maybe toward the upper half of that, um, that list you gave, I think because with the the growing cap number, they're going to be willing to give him a little bit more. And, you know, these guys are much creative in the 
with the cap and salaries as as they can be, as they want to be. Um, so they'll be able to offset money or have money to where it, it won't hurt the team, but it would also help out uh, them in, in the same sense, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right. And then finally, Emery, this is not Landon related. Just have to touch upon it real quick. Uh, because this this piece of news kind of got swept under, uh, I guess, the carpet once the news of landing came out. There was a, I guess, a, a report on, on, I think it was Colin Hurd's uh, tel- uh, radio show. And he mentioned something about, he, and I don't want to misquote the gentleman, but I think the gist of it was he had heard something about Russell Wilson potentially having interest in coming to New York because uh, his wife, Ciara, I guess, maybe has a home out here and misses it or something like that. I mean, any thoughts about that? <laughs> I I mean, I just think that's I don't know. Um, first of all, Seattle would be dumb to allow Russell Wilson to leave Seattle. And. And I'm shocked that they haven't worked out a deal. This is a guy that has been to two Super Bowls, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, top three in my opinion. But when you, if if it were to happen, it you know obviously that would be a great fit for the Giants. But I doubt that happens because I I doubt Seattle allows a, a franchise player to to leave the Pacific Northwest. Well, not just that also, but, you know, you, you're going to have to pay him if you do bring him over here. And right now the Giants are very top-heavy. You know, Odell's going to count for $21 million. You know, if you cut Eli, you're going to have a $6 million dead money cap hit. They still have to make decisions about Olivier Vernon's contract. They've got Nate Solder's contract up there. Financially, I, I don't see how it could happen. At the end of the day, with the way – the world is now where the world is pretty much smaller. If she misses New York City, she can go out there and they can still be connected. And, you know, flights go both ways. So, I mean, it's, if she misses it that much, she can go back and forth to New York City if she wants to. I know the six hour flight is not is not a fun thing, but, you know, she has to be reasonable here. Yeah, I, 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 I think for the Giants, their next quarterback, it's going to be draft or bust personally, but hopefully draft and not bust, but you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Combine, which is coming up, so stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and Emery Hunt, a football game plan. He's uh, He does a great job. He's working on his, his breakdowns, college prospects, and everything like that. And Emery, let's turn our attention to Indianapolis and the Combine. It's that time of year again. Always an exciting time. Um, you know, we know that uh, over 100 players have been invited, accepted invitations amongst them, Dwayne Haskins, who you know is a name that a lot of Giant fans seem to want as the next quarterback? Give me an overview, your thoughts on you know what we might learn, what we might see at the combine, what you're going to be looking for. I think we're going to learn a lot about how guys prepare because I think that's the biggest thing for the combine. The the workouts are what they are; they're just workouts. But when we're talking about preparation, how guys prepare for. These interviews, the, the the car wash that is the media circus that uh, happens when they're when they're there. Uh, so I think we're going to learn a lot about that, and we're going to start to hear the whispers of of oh, so and so was great in the the you know the 
the the room with the scouts or the room with the coaches. He was great uh, on the whiteboard, all that good stuff like that. And, and that it could be false. It could be true. We heard last year that teams said that uh, rumors were that Lamar Jackson was he bombed the 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 interviews, but he was the one that was the only rookie in the playoffs that had a winning record as well uh, in his starts. So we know that could be bogus. Um, and we know people have agendas. So it wouldn't surprise me to hear negative reports about Dwayne Haskins. It wouldn't surprise me to hear positive reports. That's why you have to really trust what you see out there on the film and, and let the film be your your uh, your answers for everything. So I think just going back to your question, seeing how these guys prepare, seeing how, seeing how these guys get out there and uh, handle the media circus and handle questions from people that can do nothing for them. And I think that's a big thing uh, about how teams can view. Because I know guys, I know scouts and, and coaches read and watch everything that these guys are involved in. So they see these interviews. They see how people, uh, how they handle questions that they may not like. And and all of that goes into the evaluation of the person. The, the, like I said, the film is the film, but they want to know more about the person. And they know when they get those guys in the room, they can come off pretty scripted. They can come off, you know, well coached. Uh, so you want to see how they can do with people that can do nothing for them. Now, you've been studying college film for a number of years, so you're practically an expert at it. A lot, a big question I get a lot this time of year is how much can the combine affect, and I'm talking the entire combine experience, interviews, workouts, all that stuff. How much can it really affect a player's status? Can it move them up that much? Can it move them down that much? Or does it just, you know, I, I know the workouts, they're, you know, they're pretty much running around in their underwear, as, you know, Dave Gettleman <laughs> likes to say. But you do have the interviews, the 15-minute formal interviews where they sit down and they put the film on and, and go over stuff. So how much do you think that can affect a guy's, you know, status? on each team's draft board i think it has a a big time effect not the workout parts but the the meetings because you can go in there and find out the guy really just probably doesn't fit your culture or probably just doesn't you know answers the questions the right way or handles questions the right way or or maybe he can't articulate the point he's trying to make and again you don't want to weigh too heavily on that but it may give you a cause for pause that's probably when you're going to going to go back and talk with the coaches, talk with the, the some teammates or people are surrounding him and, and figure out if this is, you know, who he is or maybe he was just nervous. So I think that can weigh heavily. The workouts don't weigh heavily. And maybe if it's a guy that you may not have got a, a, a scouting report on and you see him go out there and run a 4-2, you're probably going to now move that guy up to your to the top of your list to go and watch his film to see, if, okay, does he play like he runs a 4-2? Uh, but I doubt what they do on the field moves guys up. It's all about the medical and it's all about what they do in those interview rooms that could really move them up and down a team draft board draft board. That's a good point. The medical is something that I, I think, I believe you said this, you know, the last time I had you on this show, it's something that they don't really do at the senior bowl or before that, the East-West Shrine game. Well, they, they also don't have all these guys necessarily because, like I said, I think this is the first time Dwayne Haskins is actually showing up at a, you know, a, a, a scouting event, so to speak. If you were, you know, sitting in the room with the quarterbacks that the Giants might have interest in, what would be the, the primary question 
that you would ask and, and what would you need to hear from that person in order to say, okay, yeah, this is someone that I want to put high up in, on my draft board? You want to put them in certain situations. You, you want to put them in adverse situations. So let's say we're down by four. You got a, a running back that doesn't know the protection. He's constantly asking you questions. A receiver that has dropped like four to five balls throughout the ball game. We really haven't we haven't called a good game as a coach. What would you how would you handle this situation and just have them walk you through a, a you know a situation like that? You know, as far as what they would do as far as play calling, in case they have some issues with the headset and they can't get the play in, what plays would he have, you know, ready to go? How would he help that running back that has struggled with pass pro and not really knowing the plays because the starter got hurt? So you're dealing with a backup running back. How would you handle that receiver that has dropped four to five passes throughout a game? And he has the most favorable matchup, so you have to go to him again. You want to walk them through those uh, through those plays. Then you also want to ask them about some of their their best moments at their particular uh, school and have them talk glowingly about themselves because we know people love to do that. But then flip it and ask them about a series of terrible plays, and you already have these plays earmarked up. Or right, okay, tell us what happened here on this intercept. Why did you take this sack right here? What did you see here that led to this bad decision? And see how they handle those negative uh, questions and explain themselves, whether they, they take ownership, whether they put it on someone else, whether they see what they did wrong and they show you, they bring you up to another example of where they had that same look and they were able to correct that with that, that mistake earlier. And later on in the game, they, they made amends and made a big play uh, with the same look. Have them walk through those situations, talking about themselves, critiquing themselves, and also what would they do to, you know, on the field to, to help navigate through some of those issues that we see come up throughout the course of a game. There you have it, folks. A little look inside what goes on in these meetings, especially with the quarterback. And that, that of course, can apply to any position where uh, players are asked what they see, what they've done, and what they were thinking, and all that other stuff. So some good insight there. In terms of, you know, the, the media sessions, though, I mean, obviously – the popular question that that you see that you hear from these prospects is, oh, have you met with or do you have a meeting with insert team name here? You know, from a fan perspective, from a media perspective, what do you think is the most important question that these guys need to answer? What is it you love about the game and what has the game taught you? Those two questions, I think, are paramount because they're open ended questions and you're going to get a lot of interesting responses and you get them talking and and that's the most important thing to get them talking about what they love about it and what the game has taught them if you can get them talking about those two questions i think you can pull out a lot of what you want to get from these guys and i i think what they come in expecting people to ask them like you said have you met with team a b or c what would it mean for you to go high in a draft or you know, what does it mean for you to play in the NFL? All all those things like that, they're prepared to answer. But those other open-ended questions, you get them talking that, you get them talking scheme, any scheme questions you can ask them uh, relegate, uh, pertaining to what they did in college, I think that's how you get a lot of good content coming from these guys. And, and it helps them feel relaxed, and it also helps them be willing to answer more questions. So, therefore, you can go with a follow-up. You can probably have a good sit-down, five-minute interview with someone based off the type of questions you ask them. Yeah, especially those, because when you do ask those open-ended questions, obviously they are, you know, it, it, it gives you a nice 
glance inside their mind and like you said how they're thinking and and what kind of guy you're getting too you know because you, you can get guys that like you said are are coached up on how to handle the interview parts and they come across as robotic or secretive or shy or whatever and you got to resonate with them certainly on something like that yeah you have to and that's where you get them on their level and you 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 have they relate to you um, and that makes them for more at ease. They're on edge. Think about it. You have all these NFL scouts, personnel, decision makers, coaches, people that can determine your fate as far as a professional uh, in, in that in that league, something that you've been chasing your whole life. So you're on edge. You're nervous. And if they could find an oasis in a question that can allow them just to be themselves and talk, they'll they'll relish in, in an opportunity. Definitely good stuff and uh, certainly something I know I'm looking forward to hearing when, you know, we get to that part, you know, because it's such a madhouse around, especially around some of the bigger names where you're literally like six or seven deep on a ring around a a podium. Yeah, and it's it can get it can get intense, man. I remember the the swarm around both Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson last year, and it was a it was intense. And so you really have to. Find your your niche as a media person. Get in there, ask your questions, and try to take control of the situation. Because if it gets out of hand, it could be a bad look for both parties involved, the media person and also for the player. Yeah, I remember that Saquon Barkley presser last year. I think I I was literally because I I got over there late. I think I was literally in the next podium. I forget who was next to him, but I was like. Okay, I'm not even getting close enough to hear him because that's how deep that circle was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Train and Emery Hunt. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the combine uh, and then we'll call it a show. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. You're with Patricia Trainer and Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We are getting you ready for the NFL Combine, the the granddaddy meeting of them all. Probably the second biggest, if not the biggest event outside of the Super Bowl, I would think, right? Is that yeah, a fair it's, st- it's pretty big. Yeah, it's, it's intense. All right. So, Emery, you know, just continuing on, you know, the film is already in. The measurements and stuff, you know, a lot of people, I guess, aren't going to put too much stock in them. So the question becomes now, why even put them through these mental gymnastics or these, these you know, pajama gymnastics? And what, you know, if you could just provide for, for the listeners like a little overview as to what certain uh, workouts can maybe tell as they relate to the positions, uh, that would be great. I think it's you have to have them do something while they're out there, right? So that's why they have the workouts. I think the the biggest reason why they're out there is for interviews and and medicals. Um, But since they're out there, hey, why not just work out? You know, I think that's what it it truly is at its core. Uh, It just has grown into this must-see TV event, and the NFL is ever so smart into making money off people just working out. So I think just because you have them all there, you want to have them do something, work out. Um, But – in all seriousness, when you look at them on the field, anything that involves agility is what you focus on. So forget the 40-yard dash. Forget the, um, you know, the box jumps, the broad jumps. Yeah, that tests explosiveness and stuff like that. But if a player doesn't play explosive, then it's all for naught. Uh, so you want to see them change direction because football is a series of short bursts. It's never a 40-yard sprint. Uh, at one point in time in his career, Jerome Bettis had more long runs than Reggie Bush. And we clearly know Reggie Bush's 
faster than Jerome Bettis. So I think when you look at how guys change direction, that's what it's all about. If a guy is stiff, he's probably going to be stiff out there on the field or when you go back and look at his film. So anything that involves agility is what you really want to focus on or change direction. Okay. And uh, in terms of, you know, the other things like weights, um, you know, you, you mentioned the times, the, the, you know, I would think the short shuttle, I would think also the, uh, the 10 yard dash, you know, especially for offensive linemen or defensive linemen trying to get within a short area of time of, of a space, that would probably be something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously ball get off is key for a defensive lineman. And, you know, I, I just think that when you look at these, a lot of it will always revert back to, okay, does this guy play like this on tape? You know, does he get off the ball this fast on tape? Or was this a product of him training for three months or four months for this 40-yard dash? Uh, so all of it, you have to constantly tell yourself, let me check the tape. Let me check the tape. Because I think it's human nature to get lost in the sauce and, and what's going on out there on the on, on the field. You see it all the time at, at All-Star Games. When they're playing actual football, guys will look at a one-on-one drill and next thing you know, you have a tackle going number one overall because he was able to win one-on-ones at a drill at an all-star game in practice. So mm-hmm. you don't want to overrate what you're watching that doesn't involve real football, which is which in a sense deals with pressure. And that's the thing that changes everything. So yeah, a quarterback can throw all the he can throw with great accuracy and timing uh, during these workouts. But once the pressure hits, which is the real game and it counts and it's third and five and you're down five and you have to convert this. And do you freeze in the pressure? We saw that happen in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. When it's when they're playing seven on seven, Jared Goff looks like Tom Brady. But when they're playing football, Jared Goff looks like he's afraid of pressure, afraid of the moment. And that is something that you can't allow yourself to forget when you're watching workouts, when you're watching all star games. Definitely. And Emery, I know, again, you've been watching tape, you've been, you know, putting together, I'm sure your, your uh, scouting reports, you've been putting together your, you know, your big board. I know that the process is still going on, but based on the work you've done so far, has anything changed in your mind as far as, you know, oh, wow, I didn't think this position group, for example, you know, was as strong, but it's actually showing up to be stronger. Has anything changed since you started doing the film? Well, here's the thing. Um, for me, my process gets started later because I, I do color commentary during the season. So I don't get to watch these college prospects a lot like I like I used to do before um, I started doing a lot more college games uh, during the year. So I really get started in January after the season. So January 1st was when I start putting together a list of prospects to watch. And then after the All-Star Circuit... February 1st is when I really lock down and grind on film and just like watch film. So I've done scouting reports for 767 prospects. So right now you're seeing me pump out my video previews uh, showing those grades. So I've graded over 760 prospects, 767 to be exact. So I will say this. So I, I walk in with a clean slate. So whatever I see in an all-star game, I'll just make a note of it. And if it's a guy that I hadn't heard about or didn't have on my preliminary list going into the All-Star game, I'd make a note to watch him. So, you know, that way I don't 
get caught in caught up in what I'm seeing here and finish my scout report based off what I saw here in an all-star game. But there's a it's a really good class for for guards, in my opinion. A deep class at quarterback for small college guys. I find that this class is a, a little bit more deeper uh in the small college ranks as opposed to last year, where I really struggled to find 30 quarterbacks that I was like, okay, this guy has uh, next-level talent, consistent next-level talent. But I would say the guards, I would say the tackle position. Um, defensively, I think I, I think the safety position is pretty, is pretty good. And I grade safeties in three different ways, free safety, strong safety, and what I call combo safeties. Um, those are guys that can play – free or strong, um, or they can play corner if you need them to. So they're very versatile. And I, I think uh, defensive tackle is, is really strong as well. So I think defensively, you could find your, you could find a good D tackle. You could find a good defensive end, good edge rusher. Guards, you could find some good guys. I like the center class. Tight ends are, 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 are flexible. Um, running backs, I think this is a good year to get RB2s, you know, guys that can be complementary backs. Um, and, and really help out your offense, and in some cases be starters. So I think this is a really solid class there, and I, I do like the receipt. I basically like everybody. There's something to find in, in every group, but just those guard was the one that jumped out at me initially. It's like, wow, this is a really good group of guards that, I, that I've been great. And so um, I, I do like this draft class. I think last year I, I did, I want to say, six, you know, 528 prospects. This year is 767. So obviously there was a lot more guys that I had earmarked and a lot more guys that came on my list during the all-star circuit that I ended up going back and watching and becoming uh, fans of and adding them to this list of 767. And looking at your, your, uh, your grades that you've given to all these players, is there anybody or, or maybe one or two guys that, that you think nobody's heard of or not a lot of people have heard of that might come up and surprise a lot of people because they're going to be called maybe earlier than people are giving them credit for. I will say Jazz Ferguson, the wide receiver from Northwestern State, is a very impressive prospect. He was at LSU, uh, wasn't really getting burned there. Then he transferred to Northwestern State and became a monster of a player. I finally was getting his opportunity to play, and he balled out the last two seasons for the Demons and left early uh, you know, for the draft. And I had him earmarked as a guy that was going to be a, a true prospect next year for 2020 but he declared early which is rare for the uh fcs and he's going to be a guy that people are going to you know really talk about but the two highest grades i, I want to make sure i mention those guys the two guys that graded the highest out of all these players that i've graded Dwayne haskins and chris lindstrom the guard out of boston college those who had the two highest grades and Dwayne Haskins, I know you've spoken uh, about him in in the past. Um, where do you have? I'm just curious. Have you graded Kyler Murray yet? Yeah, I have. He was quarterback two. He he's your he's your second quarterback on your board. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins has a ninety point five grade, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Murray has an eighty four point five. And okay. the next quarterback is Drew Locke, who had seventy eight point five. So that shows you where the the drop off is after. Haskins. Wow. That, that is a big drop up. Now, have you put together a big board yet where, you know, cause I'd be curious where you have Haskins in, when, in comparison to, you know, all the other positions. Well, he's the top graded. It was him and Chris Lindstrom. Those are the only two guys that got nineties. 
Oh, I see. So I that's see. how I, I grade on a hundred point scale. And you know, for three guys, I'm, I'm sorry, Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle out of Houston, uh, yeah. is another ninety. But those three got nineties from me. So that 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 tells you how consistent they are in the talent they displayed out there on the field. Now there's some really good to me and and how I grade nineties uh, are guys I think are all pros. Um, guys in the eighties are guys I think can be consistent pro bowlers. So there's a bunch of eighties, you know, in my, in my rankings, but only a few nineties and Haskins was Haskins, Ed Oliver and Chris Lindstrom earned the nineties in this year's class. You know, I always remember, um, I think it was last year, how you were so high on Lamar Jackson and you said that he was going to surprise a lot of people, you know, and at the time, you know, everybody was talking, oh, he should be a wide receiver. And, you know, here he is today. Now he's the uh, the starting quarterback at, um, you know, for, for the Ravens. I mean, they finally moved on from Joe Flacco and they basically had named Lamar Jackson their starter going forward so certainly your evaluations you've been spot on with quite a number of them yeah I'm telling you it's this Dwayne Haskins kid if he was in last year's class he would have been my QB1 over Lamar Jackson you know how much I like Jackson because Mm -hmm. of what he brought to the table and making it 11 on 11 game with Haskins it's it's so different and it's so it it reminds me of growing up and I, I watched you watch uh, Joe Montana, you watch Warren Moon, and every time they threw the football, you just knew it was a completion. You didn't even think, like, and, and growing up in New Orleans, a Saints fan, I didn't have that same feeling watching Bobby Abel throw the football. I was like, man, I hope this goes to the receiver. Oh, it good, it was complete, you know. But when, when the Saints played San Francisco, you know, back in the day, you know, they were in the NFC West, watching Joe Montana throw the ball, you're like, man, this, every pass he throws is complete. And I, I get that same feeling from watching Dwayne Haskins. You, the level of confidence that he throws with is remarkable. And that right there is a trait that people don't understand. Too often you see quarterbacks throw non-confident or indecisive passes that end up being intercepted or go back the other way. There's a reason why he threw 50 touchdown passes to only eight picks. Dwayne Haskins is the real deal. He would have been my QB1 in last year's class. He's a fantastic quarterback prospect that I, I feel as though people are criminally and purposely trying to knock him unnecessarily for things that they would praise other quarterbacks for. If if you view, if I were to tell you there was a, a pocket passer that's 6'3", 225 pounds, played in a Power 5 school that was deadly accurate with the football, 50 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, you say, okay, that's get the contract ready now. That's a clear-cut number one overall pick. But this year, you're finding people nuance the hell out of Dwayne Haskins for no apparent reason when this guy is as pure of a how you want the quarterback position to be played. This is him. And I think whoever gets him is getting an, uh, a day one impact player that's going to have a huge uh, impact on that offense like we've seen Pat Mahomes have, like we've seen uh, – the uh, Deshaun Watson, those guys have on their football team. I think Haskins is that dude that it should be a no-brainer that if you need a quarterback, you need to be finding a way to ensure you come away with that one. Now, the other quarterbacks are good. I do like Kyler Murray. I do like, um, you know, Drew Locke. He reminds me of Derek Carr. Um, so there's guys that I do like. Uh, but if I had a choice, if I had a chance, and I had this whole debate last year with guys with the 
you know, that they had me on these Browns shows. I was I was saying if I was the Browns, I would take Saquon Barkley number one and Lamar Jackson at number four mm-hmm. and and walk away with two of the most explosive players in the in the draft. Um so if I have a if I had this debate with those guys, I was like, listen, it was like, yeah, but you can get a running back later. If I have a chance to get great or good enough, I'm gonna get great every time. You know, yes, you have Nick Chubb, that's fine, but you saw what they did before the league year even started, they went out and got Kareem Hunt. So mm-hmm. did the Giants go out and go get Kareem Hunt? No. Why? Because they have great in the backfield already. So that's how I feel about Haskins. If I has to have a chance to get great, I'm going to get great. You know, it's interesting. On yesterday's show, I had Tim May of the Columbus Dispatch, and he couldn't say enough things about Dwayne Haskins. And a lot of what you're saying is actually what he had to say. So very, you know, I'll tell you what, I've been watching, I've started watching film on Haskins because, you know, I've heard all the, you know, the critiques, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's this, he's that, he's a system guy. You know, he doesn't go through his progressions. And I'll tell you what, I'm liking what I see from him on film. Yeah, he is, he is, it's funny because, that's why I also love what I do as far as when I get into the draft process because you see all the takes on Twitter. You see all the takes on, on online and in articles and mock drafts all over the place. But when you get to watch these guys with no with a clean slate and you see how many of that stuff is bogus, you're like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so many people out there wasting people's time and misinforming the public. So for all you listeners out there, trust me, if I tell you it's Easter – Start painting Easter eggs. I'm telling you, Dwayne Haskins is the truth. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You, that, that's why I keep having you on the show, Amory, because you do your homework. You know, you're you're about as fair and objective as they come. You know, I mean, I don't think I've ever known you to have an agenda. We don't always see eye to eye on stuff, but, you know, you and I at least can have intelligent debates. And at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're still buddies. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. I think... You know, you, people can't read emotion through text. Um, yep. And so they may look at a, an exchange. And, oh, man, they're they're arguing. No, we just have we had the same discussion in person. But people mm-hmm. nowadays are so extreme and they want to argue, you know, and, and that embrace debate, uh, embrace debate philosophy that people follow now, I think is really lost in the in, in this whole thing is the art of the discussion, the discourse back and forth that right there. Yep makes everyone around you smarter, you know, so I always welcome that. Yeah, for sure. Emery, final question before I let you go. When you leave the scouting combine next week, what do you want to come away having learned? That these guys are really taking immediate preparation seriously because as now an instructor, I teach a class on Wednesdays at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and I teach a sports broadcasting class. And so seeing how guys can can hurt themselves by not being prepared for media questions and you getting you're getting media training throughout your entire college career you're getting a lot of experience in talking in front of cameras and talking to reporters and you don't want to see guys that are shy granted some people are shy in, front, in, in speaking in front of large groups i get it but you want to see how prepared these guys are to to talk about themselves and answer questions confidently i want to walk away saying that these guys were were more than prepared to handle the media questions and the, the the constant questions they're getting throughout the day, despite them being tired throughout the entire process because they're they're stressed, they're worried about you know the workouts, they're worried about the meetings with the with the team, 
and they have to also do these media obligations. I want to walk away saying that these guys handle the media session really well, well prepared, and they are ready to be pros. Yeah, because if you can handle the media, and, and Lord knows, you know, they come from all different cities and all different, you know, mediums, uh, you could probably handle just about anything for sure. Exactly. All right. So, every get tell everybody as where they can find your work, what you got going on. Where they can find me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Go to our website, FootballGamePlan.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan. That's where you can find all of my prospect rankings videos that will – that are starting to come out now. Right now, I'm at tight ends. We break tight ends down at in three positions, inline, flex tight ends, and also um, H-backs. So those will be out tonight. And before the combine, I leave on Tuesday. Uh, by Wednesday, to start of the combine, all prospect rankings videos will be out, and they're locked in. There's no grades that are going to move up and down based off what I see out there. And Indy, that's why I try to get these out before the combine, so that way they're locked in and you can follow along throughout their process. So that's where you can find all of my work and what we have coming down the pike right now. Wow. Sounds like you're going to be very busy. And of course, giant fans, again, a reminder, there's no show tomorrow. We will be back Tuesday with Twitter Tuesday. So if you have questions, do send them in to me. Then on Wednesday, we're, we're off and running with the combine. Dave Gettleman will be speaking. Pat Shermer is scheduled to speak on Wednesday. And then we'll have shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a special show on, on uh, Sunday at this point, you know, just wrapping things up from the combine, the rumors, the, you know, the observations, you know, whatever pops up. And I'm sure I'll be seeing a lot of people out there including you mr hunt yes you will you know i will have the nice food spots i always find that that's already i'm already booking reservations for spots um and i haven't even gotten to indy yet oh boy i'm telling you don't well well, listen don't forget your own your own press box buddy here (laughs) (laughs) you know you can tag along Oh man, looking forward to it. It's always a great time. You know, that that's that's actually one of the things I really enjoy about the the combine. It's just, you know, you're sitting all day in in that media room. You're running back and forth between interviews and 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 you know, chasing down agents, but the real action starts at night when when you can just go hit those hot spots. Exactly. That's when you get the real nitty gritty. Oh, yeah. And if you if you happen to be lucky enough, you know, sometimes uh, if you're in the bar area, you might catch wind of something or, you know, a rumor or two. <laughs> Those are always fun. Oh, for sure. All right, folks. Emery, thank you so much for joining me. Giant fans, thank you so much for listening. This is Patricia Trainer. I'll be back with you next week. Don't forget, Twitter Tuesday, send those questions in. Locked on Giants Podcast at gmail.com or tag them, ask P Train, P T R A I N, at my Twitter account at Patricia underscore Trainer. Have a good one and we'll talk to you next week.